0: Welcome to episode 5 of the Destiny Creators Podcast. Joining me for a discussion will be Angela Awea. Angela has a combined passion for mental health amongst young people, informed by her experience as a young carer for a close family member with paranoid schizophrenia. The arts and her faith drive her work. As the founder and director of Mental Health The Arts, an early intervention creative arts academy for young people between the ages of 13 to 25, with a direct and indirect experience of mental illness, Angela helps young carers and those suffering from mental illness by providing organisations with talks, workshops and the arts programme. The arts programme educates, equips and empowers young people to cultivate creative coping mechanisms to use when going through challenging times. Thank you for joining me for um, another episode of the Destiny Creators podcast. I'm really looking forward to having a chat with you. Um carers week is coming up and you are definitely um somebody who is a champion at you know supporting young carers um being a a young a carer yourself um so
1: yeah thank you oh thank you for having me hi everyone for listening (laughs) (laughs) how are you doing today i am actually really good i'm really good enjoying the weather um yeah, I'm really good, relaxed and chilled. I'm looking forward to this conversation. How are you? Good. Um, yeah,
0: no, I'm good as well. Um, as you said, the the weather is beautiful um because this week we've had like quite a lot of rain. So it's quite nice to actually have a nice day of sunshine back again. So let's yeah. fingers crossed, let's hope um the sunshine stays sticks with us. Um so yeah no I'm good I'm good um so yeah so thanks for joining me as I said and I'm glad you're also looking forward to um having this discussion um so yeah um so first of all tell us who you are who is
1: Angela what do you stand for and how has this contributed to the work that you do oh wow okay and I really know how to begin um I guess I'll start with my name because that's probably the best. Um, my name is Angela Ewa. I am a young woman who strives to see people succeed in life. I have have come from a challenging background, I would say, like growing up um in one of the poorest council estates in the whole of the UK, living in poverty. Um, living in a home where there was domestic violence, to then caring, and I've basically, to me anyway, I've basically smashed all the statistics, so everything, um, statistics say that a young person from that kind of background should be, I am not, so I love people, I love listening to people's stories, Um, I love seeing change and growth in young people, At the moment, I'm all about changing, changing, helping people or supporting people to change their situations for the better. Mostly young people, um, and I also believe in changing your pain into something revolutionary that will help you um, yourself and help others in the future. I think that's me in a nutshell. Like I'm a voice for people who may not have the voice to speak up about their challenges in reference to like carers and young people who suffer from mental health issues um and yeah that's me in a nutshell that's me
0: (laughs) oh you explained that so well like I love it and you really are like a voice for 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 people and elevating the voice of someone who has flipped the statistic like when I think of you that's exactly how I see you um, and as we continue with this discussion um, you're gonna obviously people get to know a little bit more like how that has looked like for you and yeah. um and, and where you've come from and and yeah just hi- like highlighting some kind of motivation and, and, and inspiration to two listeners that may be kind of in a similar situation to what you were in when you were growing up and um, that are in a place where they might be thinking oh my god how am I going to get out of this situation yeah how can I push myself forward so yeah I'm really looking forward to continuing this um, conversation today so you started your own social enterprise um amazing work um and I was really fortunate enough to hear a little bit about your journey about three years ago we connected um you were speaking at an event that was all about mental health and I was just completely blown away by like Won your story and how you'd kind of... Was so open and so honest. And up until that point, I... I'd never heard anybody publicly speak so openly about their challenges as a a carer of somebody um, with a mental health condition and how much it impacted on their life. And Mm. being so young, um, I have heard of others, but not publicly open so open about it. And then also was really just kind of like in awe at the fact that you'd not, uh, you turned it around and you not allowed it to kind of stop you from you know achieving in life um and, and wanting to kind of defy the odds. Um so that event you then came and spoke at one of my events and you were on our on our panel um talking about mental health and do you remember that? How
1: how how was that for you? It was like my first panel um in an event where there was different types of people. Um, on the panel so it was an interesting because mm-hmm. I'd most of the time I'd been on panels that were just full of people that were like had experience of mental illness or um, had faced similar challenges as a carer so that was a good experience to be in the midst of a panel where there's other women who are trial blazers I think that's the right word to use in yeah. in the industry like I, I loved it
0: Oh brilliant and one thing that really kind of stood out to me is like just how unapologetic you were in like you know communicating like your message across to everyone like you were the youngest on the panel Mm -hmm. and I just remember you just like just you were just so confident and I think you're one of the the people that really stood out in a lot of people's minds when I got feedback after the event like how wise you are for your age given like what you've been through as well like you came across like so passionately um so yeah like since then I've just continued to just like watch your journey um unfold and and seeing the great things that you're doing with with your social enterprise so um well done to you you. well done so so proud of yourself um but one thing that I wanted to kind of like get you to to your 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 message across to others is like what inspired you to um start a social enterprise if you could just let people know a little bit about what you started um and how is that kind of connected to your journey
1: yeah um so uh, okay I'm trying to figure out where should I begin um okay so I'll start from university so in university um a family member um, my mom was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia but it was like years of undealt with um like mental health issues basically <clears throat> that was undiagnosed unidentified by mostly my family because we're quite close-knit so we just didn't know so I basically became then no, she was sectioned under the mental health act then she came back out relapsed and then she was sectioned again but that time I became the nearest relative which basically means you make the decisions of like you make the important decisions for your family member um, so then I decided she should go back into hospital to get the care that she needs and then when she came out, I tried to seek support from my university um, during that time of like making that decision um, for my mom, um, and I think this was just the begin, like the spark that I needed because my university was just terrible with support. So they were just like, "Yeah, go to the counselling service," which I did. I filled in a form, which was like, I hate these sort of forms because it doesn't really tell you anything. Or oh, it would it wouldn't tell them anything but they kind of asked like how you've been feeling the past couple of the past week, fill that in and then after that I assumed that they were gonna give me a counselling session and basically I didn't hear from them until I graduated from university and I was in my final year of university at that time. So when I left university, um and I remember seeing the e- seeing the email, it just made me like angry. And so, when I graduated, I went on this journey of trying to understand mental health, because before that point, I'd never heard of mental health or mental health illness before, until my mum was ill. So, went on this journey, like, campaigning and stuff, just trying to get more information about it. Um, and I found that every time I was in a room where there was, like, experts or professionals, I was either the only person that was from um, a BAME background. And secondly, I was almost always the youngest person. Uh, mm. And so for me, I was like, well, I don't want to keep coming to these events. Like as much as I'm learning from them, they don't represent who I am. They don't represent my experience. Oh, and the first thing mm. also was that I was always the only carer. That's another thing. So I always felt like left out. To... I realized after university that my way of expressing myself was through dance. And that was primarily because as a young person, I just used to rebel and go out to lots of raves and stuff. Um, but I found that whenever I did dance, I was a completely different person. When outside of me dancing, I was a young person that was very reserved, very shy. I suppressed a lot of my feelings. I never spoke out when I had an opinion on issues or just things around me Um, almost like the quote of like being seen but not being heard Um, so I wanted to infuse my passion for dance because when I danced I felt like I was like the most confident person and so I wanted to infuse my passion from my personal experience of mental health and caring for my mum with my passion for dance and then that's how I created Mental Health The Arts so initially it was a platform for young people with a lived experience of mental health to express themselves through the creative arts. And that was through different forms of the arts. So that could be poetry to spoken word to dance, creative writing and um, and whatnot. Um, yeah, so that's how I started. And I guess over the years, So I officially started in 2016. And over the years, it's it's changed because... I wanted to do much more than young people coming to an event and sharing their poetry and so over the years like I've done different courses um, to help me build build mental health the arts um, and now it 's an early intervention creative arts academy um, for young people between the ages of eleven to twenty five who have direct or indirect experience of mental health um, so we do like programs so we can have sustainable sustainable and long-lasting impact on the young people that we're working with Um, and then we work with young people not just young people who have direct experience on mental health but we also focus on carers as well and that's just through my as I've grown as a young person through my experiences it's almost like mental health the arts has evolved as well Mm. as a social enterprise to give back to community to the community yeah
0: Mm, it's amazing really amazing um like there's a lot of information in there and I'm just gonna have to kind of like go go, go delve into some of it like bit by bit but I think what's really amazing like to hear is that through your own as you said through your own kind of like transition from you know university and identifying that you know for you expressing yourself through your dance was something that really helped you with your own mental health so, so do you feel like at that point when you realised that dance was a great way for expressing yourself that is something which can I say um the people around you also were able to support that kind of form of therapy that you'd identified in yourself, if that makes sense, yeah,
1: um, the answer would be no because they didn't know that. I mean, we were just kids, well, they were older than me, but we were kids growing up in the same environment that just wanted to go out and have fun and go out and party yeah. um and so it wasn't seen as therapy. Even for me at the time, it wasn't seen as therapy. It was just a way of rebelling or a way of escapism, getting out of my house because being at home was challenging. So it wasn't actually until I was older. And as I've grown, and I guess it's because I've shared my story that people understand how dance helped me and how it is a form of therapy now. So now there, I have friends that if I'm feeling low, they'll be like oh why don't you just dance in your room why don't you listen to music and just like do your thing and it's like now they acknowledge that yeah this is the way that Angela um, expresses herself this is therapy to her so I'm going to encourage her to do that when she's feeling low
0: oh that's really good that even that you've got that support network to kind of remind you of you know your own self care that's brilliant yeah and i think that's something that's really quite important um in anyone's journey you know to to kind of ensure that you've got those around you who when you can't dig in and 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 support yourself in that way to kind of help remind you right this is who you are and it's okay for you to be feeling the way that you're feeling right now um but but look at what what you can do to make yourself feel better and these are the things that help you usually um and even if it you don't automatically go and 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 use that relief for yourself at least it's there um, and yeah. it's pondering in your mind and eventually you'll come round, and and that's really amazing and I think that's something that's really key especially being a young person Um, and I'm really glad that you've mentioned um, that you know you were just being a teenager and all teenagers were having similar issues and I think that Mm -hmm.
1: sometimes
0: we kind of dumb down a little bit like that there's actually this middle process that we all go through with our like well-being on top of the fact that we're changing our hormones and we're trying to figure out who we are that there is this process that we all go through and that it's okay that's fine that's cool um but it's it's great that you've you've been able to do that kind of own assessment for yourself and would you say that because you felt that you had lack in somebody kind of helping you to understand that through that process that that's also influenced your your reasons for creating that need through mental health, the arts to teach the young people that you're helping that are carers or have a lived experience of mental health, that actually this is okay. What you're going through, like it's completely usual um, in your age. Plus on top of that, you've got your unusual circumstances to also kind of manage.
1: Um, So yeah, what do you, yeah so i um I definitely always let the young people know that what they're going through is is unique to them and will probably be unique to the people around them because there's not a lot of people who, for example, are carers or even identify as carers, even though they have care responsibilities. so I always make sure that they are aware of their challenges, but also to let them know that like if I've gone through it then I'm able and I have the capacity to help them. And that's always been my thing. Like, I don't, there's, I've had young people come to me who don't, who aren't even carers, but just have this, they're at that point where they're trying to figure out who they are and they're in the midst of like living their normal, quote unquote, normal lives in like school and college and university, but they're facing other challenges that are abnormal to to what is seen as a norm as a teenager. So, I always have to make sure that I'm giving them a good balance of what you're not going what you're going through may not be normal, but you're gonna get through it and Once you get through it, it's just you trying to understand who you are as a person and who and your identity and I think because of my challenges i've because of my own personal challenges, I'm able to empathize and sympathize with them.
0: Mm empathy that's such a kind of um important kind of point that you've just touched on there because without empathy I suppose how can you reach somebody yeah you know um and that's I suppose that's really good um that you've been able to to reach that stage where you you have that deep understanding of the powerful effect impact your empathy has on those young people's lives and would you say that the young people have kind of because I know with with projects and stuff um sometimes we feel like you know we are we are making a difference to them um, and we feel like we wish we could do more but do you feel like there are any kind of other like, external barriers which you feel could have helped you further in trying to impact these people's lives because you've done an amazing job like You've really, really have, Um, and uh, you know, people will be able to come if they don't know about you already. They will, after hopefully after listening to this, be able to connect with you and find uh, by hearing your details and stuff to see the work that you've done with the young people. But is there any kind of barrier which you feel has hindered you from taking it to a, a place that would truly? be very effective um, for the young people in in ways that you haven't already been able to.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the one thing which I'm sure most people with charities or social enterprises can relate to is funding. Mm. Trying to appeal yourself to grant funders who, and you're competing with bigger charities who have bigger teams who have more impact um, because they've been running for a longer time. That's always been my challenge. Um, And then secondly, I would say my ball is probably a personal barrier is that my caring hasn't stopped. In fact, there's been a period of time even recently where it's increased again. So because of that, I have to put certain things on hold because I don't have a team just yet. Um, I've had to put certain things on hold and obviously because of that I haven't been able to have as much impact or do as many things as I would like to Mm -hmm. um, as well I think even though I say these things are challenges for me I've just learned how to adapt Um, and so even if it means I don't have the funding to do like a massive project for young carers all over the UK. It actually starts with the one person that I have access to. It starts with the six young people that I still have access to. It And I could use my resources in a sense where I don't need money, but I can still mentor you. I can still help you through certain situations in life, which I have been doing. So my work doesn't stop because I don't have money. And I think most of the time that's why some people just stop completely because... It's, funding is challenging like it's not an easy thing to consistently be applying for funding and sometimes be rejected but mm. I continue to pursue my dream of supporting these young people regardless of if I have money or not mm. and, and my dream is with my dreams I've always been a person that said is what I'm doing, is my dream or my passion to help young people still going to stand regardless of what I'm faced in life? So if there's no money, there's no resources, there's no nothing, can I still do what I do? And I guess in a sense, I've created my social enterprise in a sense where it still works regardless. Mm. It will still have the impact. If I help one person who's a carer or a young person who has a mental health illness and they go on to support someone else, that's still my work being done. That's still a legacy continuing.
0: Oh, that's yeah. so yeah, that's so powerful. And like thank you for having that heart to do that, because there's not a lot of people that that would would say what you've just said. And I think we need more people like that in this world. Um, you know, and I just wish that the people like you who have that genuine heart to want to help would get the the support you know it's so frustrating when I hear when I hear about people like you yeah that are doing the work and then you hear of these massive organizations that are not even (laughs) scraping the barrel of impact of what you're actually doing you know um, in the light of these young people and and they get so much money and it's just like the and do you feel like and I'm gonna talk about race here because I think that there's definitely this key um kind of divide in between the big boys Mm -hmm. organizations and the grassroots organizations and I don't know what you feel about that but have you ever felt or experienced anything any kind of feeling of well okay well I get why that organization is getting the support more than what I am like based on you know r- culture race and the minority groups that you're supporting people even me like I I hit be old man up and I do feel like I get overlooked a lot yeah because of, you know the, the, the my community that I'm supporting um is the wrong color skin um mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna be um, afraid to say it and I've said it before but have you like what experiences of has this ever
1: crossed your mind oh um it has um and in different ways um I remember when I first started um Mental health the Arts and I would go to these big like conferences um and I'd always know someone that's probably quite high up and they would then connect me attempt to introduce me to people and just the way people looked at you like (laughs) that was like and these are like corporations or businesses all across Europe and they work with mental health and you're probably like one of five like black people there and just the way people look at you will make you feel like oh my gosh like why are they looking at me like that why they're not paying me any, any attention why why do they not care enough to ask who I am and what I'm doing Mm. I don't know if that was just I can't just solely say that was just because I was black it's probably because I was very young at the time when I started mental health the arts I was 23 you're a baby <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the first thing and then also um, again with what I said before these bigger corporations have evidence so they have evidence packed up for years of all the work they've done and it's a shame because some of these organisations have become those, like, tick box organisations where they just want to help, they, they'll they help people as much as they can help people just to tick a box and not for impact, and not for mm-hmm. proper impact, as in, like, when I think of impact, I think of a transformation of somebody, like, they come into your organisation, they perhaps couldn't speak about their experiences, they are very shy, they were some people are timid or some people are just going through trauma and they come out and they're this bold fierce person um and I think a lot of the time that's what the us grassroots organizations are doing yeah because we're in, in a London or we're in areas where there's mostly like BAME communities where we live we're just is ugh, it just is almost like writing the application form is hard because it sometimes what you're really trying to point out as the distinction between you and these major um, corporations are overlooked and i don't I, I don't always like to say it's because of color because i'm not in. obviously i don't i don't know but sometimes it does feel like that or it could just mean that sometimes it feels like it's just because my name is this name and it's not something smearful or like jane peters or something that that's why I'm not getting the funding or because these people have so much work they've done over the years and I'm just starting and I'm not perhaps because of where I'm based I'm not good enough for that mm. or, and then also it comes down to I think the first thing I would say is where you're based as well um so for example um I'm so I'm from Lambeth so in Lambeth like obviously because of how it works out in terms of council funding I think it depends on the social economic class of the entire borough. And so because of that, they only have funding for like one, perhaps maybe two organisations that work with BAIN backgrounds. And they completely ignore all the other organisations that are trying to build a sustainable social enterprise in those areas. And I think it's a shame because then funding doesn't actually filter through.
0: Mm. But to
1: give it to councils or that are like they're just bigger and are richer compared to us um other boroughs that are have less 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 people that are um fort I don't say fortunate but are that have the funding and have the money to like live good lives it's interesting mm. um I th- it is it is
0: it's so interesting you just like made like such such key like points like and one of them I'm gonna like hone in on is like even the fact that you know people you know your like your name and stuff like that like I heard somebody um say recently that they used to apply for for funds and they used to apply for these funds using um their um their surname which was actually a traditionally african surname but then that was like their maiden name but then when they changed it to their marital surname they actually got responses and that really shocked me because i've heard about it in in like the employment setting but i'd never heard about that happening in like a social um kind of com- like a, a charitable kind of setting um in terms of like somebody running like a social enterprise and trying to seek support and help and things like that and it just for me it just like makes me really question like you know the people that are at the top who are like making these decisions and they're, you know claiming to want to impact social change and 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 create all this you know um positive influence on on community um well why are they in those roles you know um because I know for example, if somebody had sat down you know with yourself and said to you look this is how you write an application this is the the way that they want to in like interpret what you're doing so they can understand it i'm sure you would have done that from the beginning you know and there's this clear disadvantage isn't there already because there's lack of this understanding and education and it's only those who have it at reach the larger ones who have had the, the, the funds to invest in those kind of services to educate themselves and things like that mm. but there's this clear divide and as you pointed out in Lambeth, there's so many organizations operating they get access to the funds but they're the only ones that do right yeah and it's like there needs to come a point where actually they're doing great work but who else is doing great work because those they can't have all of the people living in the borough using their service so like yeah this borough is massive we've got you know so many people with needs and where are all these other people going to meet their needs and it's yeah it's like how do we change this like what do you think needs to happen like what do you think would be a great solution to kind of see a way forward with this Huge disparity in our community when it
1: comes to meeting the needs of our community. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people say this word, and although I well, people say this word, and it's mostly I never really see it in the positive light in the black community. I'm not sure why, and I'm not saying I'm not against it, but I think the first thing is partnership. And I think sometimes we have the attitude of this is my thing and I'm not going to let you in because you're going to take away what's mine. So I'm talking about like having a dream or having a social enterprise or a business in our community. If we did more of bringing like different, different um, businesses and stuff together, then we would be bigger altogether. And then we'll be able to get funding from bigger, like from, you know, like the nation or government funding. I think, that's the I think that's the thing we don't I think we need to learn more about collaborating um, and also partnering that's the, th- the first thing the second thing I would say and I've seen it because I've been involved is you actually have incubators or investors like investors from our communities who are willing to invest in our businesses in order for our communities to flourish and one thing I would say is I don't think they're publicized enough Mm. for me like last year i won an award with Deutsche bank but the company that runs it called the Mewe foundation they work with entrepreneurs from um bame communities so that's the first thing they're different from the rest i'm not competing with people that are not on um somewhat an equally level footing as me i'm 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 now competing in that competition itself i was competing with with different people from different cultures and that there was diversity and Mm -hmm. making it was for people like us to thrive um the chief executive or the ceo is a black man and so for me when i see that i'm like wow i can now relate to you i can be where you are because you've given me this opportunity to grow Mm. um so i would say that's that's the second thing I would say. I was trying to think of the third thing, but I I don't.
0: But you've said that's just amazing what you've just said. Like you've just highlighted some really like valuable kind of solutions, yeah. which I totally agree with you on. Like one collaboration and this kind of fear that we have, as you said, like if we do work with someone but that's why i think it's really important for us to have an understanding first of all of are our visions aligned in order for us to collaborate and even being open to considering that conversation in your mindset with yourself is is all it requires Mm -hmm. like you know the fact that we we need to to see representation you know on as you said at the at at the top of like boards and companies and things in this country the fact that you were able to experience one that elevated you and wanted to empower your life it's just something that we need to the message that needs to be out there more so that we don't give up and we keep going, because I think that's one of the key, like one of the real issues as a, a community that we're faced with is that because we don't see the representation from the top and we don't see our own people reaching down from the top to try and help us all of the time like they are there mm-hmm. but because we can't visibly see them we sometimes people just think they don't exist yeah and it's like that kind of barrier already is there but as you said you are able to to go through the process yourself and i suppose i want I'm wondering now like had had you not gone on that incubator, would you probably have felt
1: slightly different about that um no, and um I think that um why I'll say that is because of I actually do have a third point now is um allies so having allies, so i have and if we're talking specifically about race and like black and white or BAME and western society whatever you want to call it I'm someone who I'm not afraid to ask questions if I see um like some of the people who mentor me are like lords and baronesses in like in parliament and that's because Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate enough to go into different programmes and when we've had, like, speed dating or if you want to call it that, I don't know, it's not speed dating, um, networking, speed
0: networking. Speed networking, yeah. Speed dating,
1: not that. Um, <laughs> um, when I've had an opportunity to have, like, five minutes to speak to, like, a Lord, I've been like, you know what, can you be on my board of trustees? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm very, like, if the worst you can tell me is no. But having said that, me me asking those questions has allowed me to meet other people, whether it's a baroness, whether it's a councillor, whether it's an MP. Those opportunities have made me meet the, the, I don't know if you want to call it, if we're talking about racism, it has allowed me to sit down with white people who have equally supported me as much as the black people and has pushed me even more because of their platform. So I think it's a mixture of, I feel like I've forgotten what your question is, but I think that I still would have had the same experience because I am confident enough to ask the questions when I need to ask the questions and when I want to ask the questions. And I'm not afraid to say, um, like, I need help. That's another thing. Even if it's from a big corporation, I'm not afraid to reach out to be like, can you partner with me as a corporate partner? So I can help help impact these young people that I'm working with in the front line. I'm not afraid to ask those questions. And I think that's, I think that's helped me as well. And I would also encourage others to do so, like just because you don't see incubators or like business programs in your area that support people like you, it doesn't mean you can't approach big corporations, big banks, because everyone has like CSR, corporate social responsibility. They have that in their businesses to be able to support smaller organizations on charities like the stuff that I do. So definitely like reach out. They have their own processes, but reach out basically. Because yeah. they can also help you. They're not our enemy. And that's something I've even I know with everything that's going on. And um, we're all angry. We're all we're all like trying to understand the pain because we've all experienced this pain in some type of way. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they can't help us. Um, exactly. they've, honestly, they've helped me a lot, a lot. And yeah. in fact, they've told me some. Some people have told me you should be because of the platform you have now, Angela. Now you can help these other young people. You can focus your work on them and and bring more awareness of the work that you are doing because Mm -hmm. I've given you this platform and because I've helped you so you can then go and help the people that need it so it works Mm -hmm. both ways
0: that's it and that's what it's all about as I was saying like we need we need more people to pull their hands down to pull up you know um when they do get the understanding and i'm i'm so glad like to hear that you've had this positive experience you know um and this this kind of understanding so that you are in a position to be able to 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 pull up um those that need the understanding and the awareness and I really do like wish you the best of luck with you know what you're doing because there is a huge need for it. There really is, and yeah, we just need more people like you. Um, I mean, there's some amazing people out there doing great work, um, but yeah, I think definitely you should be like really proud of yourself for not allowing the barriers that you've been faced with to hinder you from challenging the system as it is you know because yeah it's a minefield girl (laughs) it is a minefield it really is um kind of challenges that that were you know precipitated by your your mum's um decline in mental well-being um were there any kind of other household members that that experienced challenges as well or like where did I you think... get your support within the household because you because you're the oldest right
1: yeah I'm the oldest of three Is so that...
0: where
1: was your support we didn't have we didn't have any from family the way my family is set up is we my immediate family so we don't have much relation to our extended family or anything like that for me my help was my church like my faith and just church helped me so much so my church became my family so if I needed support I would go to like an auntie or pastor at church and tell them like this is what my challenges were and honestly they helped me the most I would say mm. and then followed by my friends um but mm. in terms of family there was not there was none I mean we were all trying to navigate it at the same time and I think for my siblings it was more about escapism just trying to escape mm. from the situation whereas for me I felt like I did that earlier on so my next stage was to take responsibility um yeah so we all navigated it differently very differently
0: which you you definitely sound like you you navigated it pretty well um you know as you said you were able to kind of step in and make some real big people decisions you know and um and i think you know when, when it comes to family, you're not the first person you know i've I've seen experience something like this at such a young age and mm-hmm. and and somebody having to take on that responsibility and and have you ever sort of like wondered to yourself like why why you know family find it so hard to kind of deal with like so I don't mean like your're in your internal family like your household, yeah. but as you said like the the support externally from like your extended family members was kind of non-existent so so with that kind of with with that in mind how how did you how did you kind of perceive the reasons for that like how did it
1: (laughs) (laughs) um oh gosh my perspective now compared to then is completely, is completely different. Um, my reasons was most of the time that people just can't be bothered; they're too busy focusing on their own lives and they just don't care. And I guess I grew up with the mentality of that you fend for yourself, and no one is going to help you. And that was out of just being disappointed, like time after time, and then. I guess now my perspective has changed, where I'm like, okay, people had their own lives, they have to live their own lives, and people have their own issues and their own problems. But something that I found that was very, I, I think this was last year of the year before, I was speaking to a friend who I grew up with, and they kind of took me in as their little sister, um, and she was telling me how they realized that my mom was ill from a much earlier stage. And that would have been probably like around the time my sister was born, but no one said anything about it. And so my main issue with, oh, my main concern or reason doesn't even come from them not caring. I think it's just culture and culture just makes people not talk about mental health in the home and in the family because of the shame and the guilt that they might get as a result of speaking out about it.
0: Mm and i suppose it's that kind of empathy isn't it like yeah. just kind of understanding as you said like people create it's almost like boundaries you could call them couldn't you like they're putting their own needs above the need of what's actually happening in your mum's world if you if you you could kind of box it up like
1: that you know um i sometimes think it's selfish And this is why I think it's selfish, maybe because I'm not a wife, so I don't know just yet how that might feel. But for me, I guess I've always been that sort of person. If I see someone needs help, I'm going to help regardless. And that's not a thing of where I need to physically drop my whole life to help that person. But there's certain things I would do. I'll take time to have a conversation with you. I'll take time to take you to the hospital. If you need money, I will give you money. If you need food, I will come and give you food. Like that's the sort of person I am. So, growing oh. up and then hearing that, oh, they knew that this happened much beforehand, but they did nothing shocks me because you brought me into your house to feed me, to clothe me. But the main issue wasn't being confronted. And that escalated. So, had someone intervened earlier maybe my story wouldn't be what it is now
0: Mm, yeah yeah Yeah. no I I hear you I totally hear you and I think that you're you know you're you're right to to feel that way you know because especially when you have big people around and and they could definitely step in and, and and help and you know what I was trying to say is that you know that for some people they they kind of create that boundary for themselves because they one they don't know how to deal with it yeah you know and as you said like discussing it um is not something that people are comfortable about discussing um i i do feel that we have come a long way since like maybe the the early 90s and with having this this discussion about mental health it's the taboo is is not as kind of widespread as it was back then Um, but I do kind of uh, agree with you that you know it's it's all about trying to prevent something from happening um that is going to create a very extreme situation for somebody and also those around them so i.e your mum yourself and your siblings you know and i think that if there's anyone listening out there that you know is a family member who is seeing somebody kind of deteriorate um you know i hope that hearing angela um will encourage you to to actually Maybe open your mouth and, and go and and, and try and, and see how you can help, you know, um, because it's it's such a shame that people have to go through these challenges, have barriers with the system, because I'm sure you've probably experienced issues with trying to, you know, communicate with mental health teams yeah. and all that sort of thing. And that's, that's another topic <laughs> for another day. <laughs> right yeah am i right yeah yeah. that's another Another so yeah so i think that um yeah i think that being kind not only to yourself um and and just being kind to to others and when i say like being kind to others is like and trying your best to as you said like try and reach out to someone be a ear, or to to talk up if you notice something isn't right yeah you know to try and and create some form of intervention if you can see that something is not going to it looks like it's not going to end in a very positive way um for somebody's family situation based on um a decline in their mental well-being um and you know I think that also it's really quite important to kind of understand that education of mental health has improved now as well. So people are not so scared about the conversation because they understand that, you know, there's, there's more to mental health than just one box you know um it affects people so many different ways so you know you've got yeah. individuals that are affected by um you know adhd or you know post-traumatic stress disorder is very mm-hmm. different to borderline personality disorder and people with bipolar you know so i think we've moved a long way progressed in our understanding of mental health and i think i'm hoping that it will continue that way and yeah. and the more people talk about those changes um the better it will be for the next generation um, who come after us um, in trying to tackle some of the real like issues that are tied to mental health um, and how it affects that the wider family um but you've done a really great job at navigating it and trying your best to to just just be a bit try, try and live your life the best yeah. way that you can and finding the solutions and you know trying to break down those barriers and I'm really glad that you know you were able to kind of find like your safe haven within like church because I know a lot of people um might find a safe haven in in maybe a youth club or um it could be an extended family members place where they spend the majority of their holidays and things like that but it's good that you were able to get like you were still able to get that kind of like guidance from um people who are older than you and who were concerned about you yeah. because would you say that being a child who is is dealing with a parent with mental health that a lot of the focus is always on that person and their needs and it's not so much on your needs as the the carer
1: yeah and stuff? Um, 100% a lot of the time is just focused on the person that's ill and mm. a carer of any age or any capacity is normally left out even with decision making sometimes they'll just like make decisions and not tell you and assume that you would know but it's um, I think that's the, that's the main issue because if you neglect the family members or the person that's caring and they get ill then it's almost like, like a domino effect, mm. because that person isn't looking after their mental health. They're putting the mental health of the person they're caring for first.
0: Mm.
1: So it, it can brings about so many other issues as a result of that of the person caring not looking after their mental health. I just think it's just always a domino effect, and if you don't, as like. A professional if you are not focusing on the family or yeah of the family of the person that you are that is your like your client then you're just neglecting you're still neglecting their mental health because those people are part of how their mental health is and how they just are Mm. in life Mm. yeah you're so right
0: you're so so right I suppose it's finding that balance isn't it and yeah not everyone not everyone is sharp enough in terms of like when I'm talking from professional perspective Mm -hmm. um might not always be able to be in a position to be sharp enough just to to create that
1: balance Um, definitely there are some that do well I can say and I guess part part of why I say that is because so for me, there was a pastor in my church who's a community mental health nurse. So mm-hmm. when I first had my conversations with him about my home life, he always made sure that he asked me how I was. How are you coping with everything that's going on? And because of that, that made things easier. So when I needed things done for my mum, for example, and I've been in a situation where my dad's been ill, so similar, similarly, when they've both been ill and I've asked for support through him, he's been really quick and I've been able to get the support and the help I need faster as a result of that but that's because he cared enough to ask how is everything else, how's your studies, how's your relationships, how's your friendships and it's just those questions that make such a big difference that some professionals might just miss out because they're just in the game of just ticking boxes and making sure that they've ticked the boxes they need to tick on their checklist rather than exploring the other parts of a human being which I've mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you've yeah it's it's you're so right it's like that human element is sometimes lacking isn't it it's just that basic it's it's quite a basic thing to ask someone how you're doing yeah you, you know it's um but yeah they're just sometimes so bogged down in their clinical thinking that unfortunately um it's not present Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'm really glad that you've been able to experience both that you've been able not that you, you I'm not glad that you've experienced both but I'm glad that you've been able to experience somebody who has been able to show you that there are people out there who do care and that actually know how to ask you about you to focus on you to make sure that you're cool that that you need you've got everything that you need um that's really really good I'm really glad to hear that and I think that um in terms of like your um your project uh, mental health the arts would you say that you have kind of taken that similar approach based on your experience as well because you've from what i I know of the project, you have definitely you've definitely created that kind of culture, haven't you, of me- me- meeting everybody's
1: needs through the creativity? Um, yeah if I, if i I'm trying to frame it so what I'm saying is going to I guess that approach, because of my experiences, yeah, definitely has changed the way I work. So rather than me just having kids come to a workshop um, or come and participate in anything I'm doing or coming to an event, I always make sure that I'm asking them about everything else that's happening around them. So yes, we are a creative arts academy, but I'm not neglecting the fact that you may be in school and you're being bullied or you're you're being peer pressured to do something you don't want to do. Those are all factors that I always make sure I ask about because you just never really know and everybody's experience or journey is different.
0: So what does it take to build an effective programme that empowers young people that are affected by mental health? Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting. Um, <laughs> Being the social entrepreneur that you are,
1: <laughs> what does it take? Wow. Um, okay, for me, the one thing is your passion. You have to have passion. If you don't, if you're not passionate about your idea, you're not going to be able to have that. That burning fuel that's going to push you through to the end, even when it gets hard. So, that was the first thing Mm -hmm. passion. The second thing is resilience. So, whilst I was trying to build my program, I'm also going through my own stuff, my own issues at home or at work. And I was working at the time as well. So, I so when I piloted my program for last year, I was yeah I was working as well. So it's also navigating that and saying to yourself, like, I'm going to push through regardless of how hard it is. With me, I set up everything by myself. So from scratch, like this was just an idea. Then I built it into like a six week pilot program. Um, and that meant that also I had to be good at networking. So I had to contract people to come in and run the sessions, but I would oversee all the sessions. So being able to network, if you can't or you find it hard to network with people, especially if you're someone that is starting something from fresh, you can find it challenging to, to like make connections that will benefit you in the future. So another mm-hmm. thing I would say, which would be number four, is don't be afraid to ask questions. I've been in environments where there's people that I know that are very they're specialists in their field they're like baronesses lords I've been like MPs I've been around all those sorts of people and I've never been afraid to ask questions and I've never been afraid to say can we do coffee can we meet up can you mentor me can you be a trustee for my company and I mean I don't have everything not everything I have is perfect now but those questions have always brought me closer to the people that I need to meet So Mm. that would be another thing. But then I guess the last but probably the most important thing is to acknowledge that every young person, for me, that every young person that I worked with is different. I can have a pattern Mm -hmm. of how it's going to work in my head, but I'm not going to know until the young people come on the program. And you're working with different characters, different personalities. For me, I worked with carers, so they had their own caring challenges. Some were caring for parents, where others were caring for siblings. So you have to be open-minded to the fact that what you have in your head, set in your mind as a programme, might not actually work, but it might work differently. It may not go as you want it to go, but it will still have the impact that you want it to have. Um, and that was one of the most important things I learned yeah wow.
0: that's really um interesting actually because it's 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 quite a common um thing that people have, have said to me as well and I also I've personally experienced is that you know when you do start out launching something you 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 need to kind of be flexible and adjustable in your in in the way that you approach it and in, in the way that you see it kind of finishing yeah. um like the the outcome like the result as you said because the way that you saw it happening and who you was going to be helping actually you helped a real diverse um a group of 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 young people um which you'd not even considered so it's I suppose trusting the process um is is something which you're which I'm getting from what you're saying and going through it even though it might not be working in the way that you may have planned for it to and having these unexpected you know differences to who you would be helping I suppose is, is is helping you to grow your brand and expand on you know what other services can you can you offer yeah. and have you has that is that something that happened for you like did you then go away and then create an additional like service to what you'd originally started based on those diverse bunch of people that you launched with
1: yeah so I because of the feedback I got from them I didn't have to change everything but there's certain things that I know that I can do differently to make sure that their needs are being catered to so for example um one of the facilitators that I had they felt that he was too strict with them when he would do his sessions And so obviously when i for me one of the main lessons was if i'm employing people to come and do the work i need to figure out i need to find out how they work with young people how they connect with young people Mm -hmm. um and then the second thing was for example they wanted to do more cooking rather than more dancing um So I had to make sure that I factored more cooking in so they have more opportunity to do more cooking together um, rather than doing like dance movement therapy, which is completely different from dance, but it's still therapy in a sense. And they didn't like that. They felt like that didn't work for them because they're young. So they're not thinking about how my movement makes me feel. They just want to (laughs) dance or they just want to cook. I realized that the simpler, The simplicity... I can make what I'm doing more simple. And for them, simple is better than being complicated and being too academically, like, professional, if you want to call it that, on paper. Because they don't care about that. They just care about the activities that are helping them get respite from what they're facing at home.
0: Mm. And so you basically, you've just you've just demonstrated like what a social enterprise is it's it's designed to have the the people at the yeah. heart of their de- their decision making you know you've you've you know gone off of exactly what they need and that's what that is very powerful um very very powerful and um yeah you've done a really nice <laughs> job really amazing not easily. well done <laughs> Nope, definitely, not. definitely yeah. not. But you know, like, like you know, all the things that you've been through, you've, you've, as you said, resilience is one thing that is is key when you're setting out to embark on a social entrepreneur's journey. And yeah, you've definitely just d- developed <laughs> those skills, my dear. <laughs> you've got those skills down, <laughs> like You're amazing. Thank you, you really are. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah so let's let me just ask um, ask you um, another question actually I wanted to find out like uh, in terms of your past mm-hmm. self is there any advice that you would want your future self um, to know so what key things would you would you tell yourself based on what you've experienced and grown oh, through
1: wow <laughs> the first thing (laughs) would be love yourself that's the first thing like love who you are love your personality love how you look love your like your features your body just love you um yeah that's the main thing because and the reason why is because I struggled with my self-esteem for so many years um in Mm. school in primary school I was bullied um where I'm from, like, my area, like, kids would just call you, like, back in the day, they would just say, oh, you're Blick, or you're bed dark, or you're mm-hmm. ugly, you've got a fat nose, like, that's the sort of stuff that kids would, like, say to me, and so my self-esteem, I hated myself with a passion growing up because of that, mm-hmm. um, so definitely, the first thing I would say is love myself, Um, the second thing I would say is there's always light at the end of the tunnel, I felt disappointed growing up for so long. And I guess that kind of like helped, helped. It helped me develop my depression a lot more. I say helped, but <laughs> it's not really helping, but it added to my frustrations in life. And because of that, I was really depressed. Um, so if mm. I knew back then what I would experience, the great things that I've done now and the great things I've been able to do now, I would have definitely like enjoyed life more Um, and then the second thing is don't be afraid to say no the third thing sorry don't be afraid to say no I became someone that was would always people pleased because I didn't want to feel rejected in life Um, Mm. and I've like learned and this has been probably like the best part of five years I've learned yeah if I say no it's not a bad thing like I can control what I want to do and what I don't want to do and I don't have to please anyone so yeah those are the three things I would tell my younger self (laughs) Oh,
0: bless you bless you this really
1: yeah really great
0: advice that um you would give to your past self and um and I'm so glad that you've come to a place now where you know that you're beautiful like inside yeah. and out um yeah. so that you can you can actually talk to that younger self like do you do you ever have you ever done any kind of therapy like where you um kind of you you deal with your your inner child have you ever done any work no
1: i've had ther- like i've had therapy i've done counseling like talking about my past Mm. but not like to my inner child Mm.
0: I'd love to have a chat with you outside of this about it because um it's quite powerful um and and it kind of is is based on you know looking at ourselves as a as a child as we are today because a lot of a lot of things that we deal with today we deal with them in a similar way that we kind of dealt with things as a child but just in in this slightly it comes out ind- differently if that makes sense yeah. um and, you know if we can kind of identify that within our inner child and and um, we are able to kind of bring some comfort to that inner child and 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 show love to that inner child of how they dealt with those things then it, it's very p- quite impactful in 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 healing and 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 being able to to process things slightly differently um when dealing with our emotions um so yeah i'd i'd love to have a chat with you outside of this um about that because i'm quite conscious of your time i've taken quite okay. a bit of it no, <laughs> i've really enjoyed chatting to you and you know there's just so many things that i'd love to just to ask you and we'll probably have to get you back on um this this um podcast again um because yeah you've you've got a lot of wisdom oh, thank and you <laughs> you've got a lot a lot you can share. No, you have you've got a lot and i see you doing your weight oh, and all of that kind of stuff so it's like it's just yeah you're just yeah you're just brilliant um and would you say that your weightlifting is kind of uh, um it's it's a form of therapy for you as well so kind of like the dance was your, like your um way of free, feeling free like the weightlifting is that something that is also doing that for yeah. you
1: so when like nowadays if i'm well before covid if i was feeling stressed out um gym would be my thing um yeah and for me like I it's similar to how dance made me feel I just feel free um I've sort of changed the hobby into a girl's thing which I shouldn't be doing but um it, me, it makes me why <laughs> why should you I, be
0: doing
1: I think that? that I'm making it into more of um It's it's enjoyable, don't get me wrong, but I feel like I push myself a lot. So it's more, it's not like mind numbing when dance, I can just dance in my room and I wouldn't care. Whereas when I'm weightlifting, I feel like I keep making it into, okay, if I need to, if I can push this much today or if if I can lift this much today by next week, I must do more. Um, And I don't know if that's always a good thing. Because I like to there's sometimes moments when I'm like doing I'm in the gym lifting weights i i I would love to be able to be like actually I'm just gonna relax today. I'm just gonna do the bare minimum in the gym and I don't think i've I found that balance yet.
0: uh I get what you mean, so it's like you're very competitive like you've you've met you created this competitiveness in your mind so that when you're going to the gym um you're creating you're setting yourself up to to make sure that you're constantly um increasing in strength where instead of you going and creating um a space for you to just just have fun and whatever happens that day at the gym happens um you know you'll get there (laughs) you know like with everything else you'll get there like I wish I could say I could go to the gym mm-hmm. but you know um, this lockdown is I actually did start I'll be honest before the lockdown I joined my local gym and I started to go to oh, strength great. class and yeah circuit and all of that and um and then lockdown happened and then I had an excuse to just kind of like <laughs> stop doing it but do you know what it's, <laughs> it's really good that you're able to still continue it outside of the gym and and what I would say is just like just be really gentle Mm. with yourself try to be kind to to yourself when you're you're creating those spaces for yourself to go and feel free that that let yourself be free like you deserve to to feel free and use that space but also if you want to achieve a goal Mm. then it's cool you know, it's cool for you to achieve that goal, and you know, when your your muscles are popping, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, like Popeye and all that. Um, and that far,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you could be like, "Hey, I did it!" <laughs> but no, I think that um no, it's really good that you're you're doing the whole fitness thing and but yeah be, be gentle yeah, with yourself girl I, I definitely need to do
1: that
0: yeah it's okay it's, it's okay to just take time to just yeah just chill um, and not take things too seriously and, um, yeah you'll find the fulfilment in it more um, so what can we see Angela doing next you know Um I hear that you're as we just mentioned it briefly at the beginning. You're you're studying again. You're topping up your your education yeah. in mental health. So, what can we see you doing um, next with that?
1: <laughs> I think the next step would be after my master's to do a doctorate or PhD. Yeah. Ooh. I never. Oh. I never. I never Amazing. imagined myself becoming a doctor like I remember when I was younger and you're like you you tell your parents what you want to be and they're like no you have to be a doctor but i I never pictured myself being a doctor, but that's where I want to take my knowledge of mental health um but that's in a couple years to come I guess in the meantime <laughs> what you can see from me is um I am starting a podcast towards the latter part of this year um. And that would be wow. an infusion, a fusion of my academic research slash knowledge, and information about like social enterprise, but more on the global mental health um, scene. So bridging the gap between the two, um, and then also like sharing stories from different people from all walks of life in regards to like mental health and the creative arts. Yeah.
0: Wow, <laughs> that sounds really interesting. I look forward to, to hearing Thank that. Mm-hmm.
1: Once so, I get round to recording,
0: and I look, look forward... Girl, <laughs> if you knew how long it took mm-hmm. me to start recording, you know, it's as long as you get there, that's all that counts, you know. it It's a process, like you can't, you can, it's a process that you can't rush. When it's meant, it when it's time, it will happen, you know. You will know exactly when that moment is because nothing will stop you um, from doing it. You won't be second guessing or, you know, trying to use excuses of you don't have the equipment, which <laughs> is what I used to say all the time to myself um, when actually the I use the most minimal amount of equipment to record. And, you know, I've been talking about launching this podcast oh, wow. for about two years. So... Oh, Yes, yeah. congratulations so we we'll take time oh thank you and so be really gentle with yourself again as i said and like just take time on it mm. like there's no rush you know you're going to be dr dr angela <laughs> and uh, i look forward to calling you dr angela and um so yeah that's that's really exciting news very exciting news and so will you be doing any more workshops uh, yeah so people? that's
1: another thing i'm still going to be building programs to do in the meantime um and also events as well Ooh, what um, kind of events? so it'll be more around like just sharing stories and Um, but like with global mental around the global mental health industry so just for example doing like a talk show on mental health I'm sort of looking at doing that sort of stuff but again still bringing academia and like practice and just social stuff together yeah
0: Mm, that sounds really good and it sounds like definitely in line with you know your your intentions to go back to to uni yeah. and create some change because I can imagine that you'd be able to um, host some of those talk shows within those settings. Um, yeah, I really? think that it sounds amazing. And I, if there's anything I can do to help, just holler at go You know where I am. <laughs> I'm very passionate about um, mental health, as you know. So always happy to help but um but yeah thank you so much for joining me today I loved it's it been thank really you lovely to, <laughs> to catch up I've really oh, I really you? enjoyed talking, <laughs> talking to you. oh bless you it's been lovely chatting to you as it is always like you're just a breath of fresh air like even that day when you came to the house of Lords Lord for me do you remember we were there and just seeing you talk so boldly and like with confidence um to that Baroness Hills do you remember I was just like go Angela that (laughs) look at that one there um but yeah um and you just captured the whole room and this is just how I see you like going out into the world and just capturing the mind's of people that need to to hear your voice um, and i wish you Thank the you. very best of luck with it and i'm i'm behind <laughs> you 100 percent, all of the way chewing you on <laughs> as i have been and uh yeah it's it's very exciting um what what you've got um ahead of you and just keep yeah just keep loving yourself you know keep um telling yourself that you're amazing you know as you said what you was you would say to your past self just keep mm. speaking those words into your life and yeah you're just going you to continue to so soar my dear you're going to continue to. and i
1: appreciate this opportunity to share with here. everyone um and yourself it's been a long time that we've actually had a conversation so it's definitely nice to to speak again and all the best with everything that you do
0: oh thank you I appreciate that my dear yeah we won't leave it so long <laughs> next time <laughs> all right I'm always here know that I'm thank always you. here for you okay no you're welcome my darling well thanks for joining me do you want to let people know do a little plug and let people know where they're gonna find yeah, you, sure. um, you quickly
1: so on my twitter my name is Um, Angela underscore Awa that is spelled A W U A H. on Instagram is my first name Angela and my surname Awa and for Mental Health The Arts the at is M-H underscore The Arts and that's on Instagram and Twitter
0: yeah brilliant so you heard it guys You know, if you resonated with anything that um, Angela said today, you want to find out more about, you know, what she's up to and um, what she's working on or just to just to connect with her, do because she's a very open, open soul. um, And yeah, go connect with her.